Um, this morning we are going to be continuing because it fits in actually with Christmas. Mary Lee dressed me like Christmas this morning, and, and uh, I'm very thankful for that. Uh, but uh, if you would turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 4, we are flying through this book, and uh, so we are making good progress, and it's, uh, it's quite, a, quite, a, quite a letter that Paul wrote, that, the, that our Lord inspired the Apostle Paul to write to these Roman Christians that he had never, he had never been to uh, that Roman church. And so he's just laying out the basic plan of what, what God's plan for salvation is and what it looks like when a person comes to know Jesus as Lord by faith. So Lord, we uh, pray that as we look at this passage this morning that it would continue to have a, a, a wonderful impact on our lives. Uh, I, I have been thrilled. I, I've been through Romans before. It's one of my, it probably is my favorite letter in the entire Bible, but uh, I've never learned as much as I'm learning this time through, and it just seems so clear to me, and I just pray that I can present it in a way that's understandable and that we understand what your, your ways are, because that's what we want. We want your truth by which to evaluate all things that are taking place in our own personal lives as well as in our society. And so thank you for this Christmas time when we... Uh, we get to uh, think about Jesus coming to this earth, and, and thank you that your plan has always been that we come to know you, Father, as our Father, by, by faith in the work and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for our time in your word this morning. May you use it to impact our lives in great ways, and we pray these things in our Lord Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, in Romans chapter 4, and I, I just, uh, I'd just like to read... A couple of weeks ago, we went through chapter 3, verse, verse 24, and um, it, it just talks about how a person is made right or just with God. It, you know, the question is, how can a person who is a, a sinner by nature, a sinner because of their practices and thoughts, and a sinner because of their representative, which was the first man, the first human, Adam, how can, how can such a person get legally just or right with a holy God? That, that's the question that's being addressed here. It's, an, it's a question that is, you know, is addressed to every person wherever they live throughout this earth and whatever time period they've lived in. It's always a question, how can anybody who is a sinner by nature, a sinner by practices and choice, and a sinner by, by representative, how can any person like that get right, legally right or just with a holy God? And notice in chapter 3, verse 24, he says they're being justified as a gift by his grace, that means undeserved favor, through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. In other words, Jesus paid the price. The word redeem means to go into a slave market to pay the price necessary to redeem a slave, to set that slave, you know, to... To, to buy that slave and bring that slave out of the slave market and set them free. That's what the word redeem. And the Bible says it's as a gift by God's grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. And, and so how can anybody come to know this God? We see that it has to be as a gift by his undeserved favor. It has to be. 
because there's nothing we can do. We, we can't work hard enough. There's no ritual like baptism or church membership or circumcision for the Jewish people. Uh, justification is not by works. It's not by rituals. It's not by religious practices. It's not by law. It's entirely by faith in God. And I, I pray that we're getting that, that God has done the work in his son, Jesus Christ. And, and that's what this Christmas season is all about, is God, out of his love, sent his son to this earth to become a man and pay the price so that we could be redeemed, so that we could be saved, so that we could be right or just with God himself. And there may be religious people who would ask, well, what about my hard work? And what about, I've been very faithful in church attendance through the years, and I, I've done this, and I give to charity, and I, 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 have, uh, I try to operate by the Ten Commandments, you know, the, the laws. I, I try to, don't those count? Uh, don't, those, don't those add something to me? Uh, don't they make God favor me a little bit more? And the Bible's answer is, no, they don't. They play no part in a person becoming right or just with God. And we say, well, I understand that's been the plan ever since Jesus went into the slave market and paid the price and set us free to be able to, so we could be set free. What about those people before the cross of Jesus? Has justification, and that's just a legal term that means right or just, uh, you know, it's, it's like in a courtroom. Has justification by faith in God alone always been God's plan? And I know there are people who sometimes look at the Bible and, well, at this period of time, God made a person right with himself. You know, he allowed that person to become right by this way. And, and then as time went by, there was another way. You know, it was by law and, and it was by religious practices that they, they, they kind of divide the Bible up and, and say, well, it was by various means. But has faith in God, has justification by faith in God alone always been God's plan? And the very clear answer here in these verses we're going to see this week and next week is there is no other way than by faith in God. You see, what are the facts of history? And what the Apostle Paul does is he, he chooses two, two men. One was Abraham. He's, he's a man who was respected, who, who is respected and was respected by both, by both Jews and Christians. And he also chooses David, the greatest king of the Jews. And so he chooses these two individuals and he uses them as an example that it's always been by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so look at chapter one, verse four, or chapter four, verse one. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found? In other words, he's especially addressing Jewish people here. So what then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was, it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but as what is due. 
But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. That's the word that means justice. Just as David also speaks of the blessing on the man to whom God credits righteousness or justice apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. And he says here, Abraham and David were, were made right or just by faith in God alone. For the Jews, in light of justification by faith in Jesus, apart from works, where does our human ancestor Abraham fit? Wasn't he saved by works? Wasn't he saved because he was circumcised? Wasn't he saved because he somehow lived up to the law that he had? And the Apostle Paul answers that if Abraham was justified by works or achievement or performance, he has something to brag about. He could boast in that. Look what I did. <laughs> I was circumcised. I was baptized. I joined the church. I did good works. I have, the, I have good laws. I'm a moral person. You see, what does the scripture, the final authority, say? What does the scripture, God's word, what does it have to say about Abraham? And I put on your handout, on, if you're following along on the bulletin, that Abraham believed God and it was counted or credited as righteousness or justice. He believed God. And God counted that belief in God and his truth as righteousness or justice. It was credited to his account. If it's by works, Abraham could boast, look, look at all I've done. And of course, we saw in chapter 2 when we, we saw the moral person. Look at how good a person I am. I'm moral. I'm kind. I try to do everything. You know, I try and treat my neighbors as I would like to be treated. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a nice guy. And God would say, let me examine your heart and your deeds and your secrets that nobody else knows about. Let me examine your opportunities you've had to respond to truth. and let, re let, me, let me examine the truth that you've received and how you've lived up to that. And of course, when God does that, we realize we are absolute failures. We might be able to do something better than somebody else, but we're still, we still fall short of the justice of God. And so what Paul does here is he, gives, he uses Genesis chapters 15, 16, 17, and 18 to give the background here. And he, 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 the Lord promised Abraham that he'd have heirs as the stars of the heavens. From your own body will come your son. This is what after many years of marriage and no children. Eventually, you have these, this old couple. And they're really old. Okay. One is uh, almost 90 and the other one's almost 100. 
And the, and the wife, the Bible says, could not bear children. She was barren. Sarah was barren. And so they're old, and she is past the age of childbearing and, you know, could not have children all throughout her life. And God says, from your own body, you and Sarah are going to have, you, you're, you're going to have a son. And the Bible says Abraham believed God. Abraham believed his, God's promise. And it was credited to him as justice. Uh, credit is a bookkeeping term. We're going to see it a lot throughout this letter. It's used 11 times in this chapter alone. I, I put your faith in me down in your account as my justice satisfied. You trust me in my word, and that is credit to your account as justice. You are now right or just with me. And the Apostle Paul gives this example here. When people work, their wages are not a gift. You know, if somebody works, you don't, you don't consider the pay, you know, pay that you receive as a gift. It's, it's something they have earned. But to one who does not work but believes in God, who justifies the ungodly, that person's faith is counted or credited as righteousness or justice. You see, before the cross of Jesus, Abraham believed God and his promises. I'd just like to read to you just a couple of verses uh, from the Genesis passage. In verses, uh, chapter 15, verses uh, 5 and 6, he, he took Abraham, God took Abraham outside and said, Now look toward the heavens and count the stars if you're able to count them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Then Abraham believed in the Lord, Yahweh, that's God's Old Testament name. Then Abraham believed in Yahweh, and Yahweh reckoned it to Abraham as righteousness, as justice. He simply took God at his word, and he, he, he believed it. And he messed up a couple of times in terms of trying to carry that out. He tried to figure out his own way since he didn't, you know, he was old. He was probably 75 when he received that. And then later on, it says in, in chapter 17 and 18, and he, he talks about Sarah being the, the mother of this coming son. It's your wife, Abraham. You don't have to go to a handmaid or anybody like that. And in chapter 18, it says, then, then they, and this is including the Lord here, they, he is visiting uh, Abraham in a human form there. Where, where is Sarah, your wife? And Abraham said, there in the tent. And he said, I will surely return to you this, this time this year. She's, 90, she's, she's near 90, and he's near 100. Where is Sarah, your wife? There in the tent. I will surely return to you at this time next year, and behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. Sarah was past childbearing. Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have become old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? 
And Yahweh said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I indeed bear a child when I am so old? Is anything too difficult for Yahweh? At the appointed time, I will return to you at this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah denied it, however, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, the Lord said, No, but you did laugh. By the way, do you know what they named their son? They named him Laughter. <laughs> they both laughed. <laughs> now, being that age, I don't know if this is exciting or not. Uh, you know, I, I think about Mary Lee and myself having a child at our age, and uh, um, <clears throat> we love grandchildren. Uh, I think we'll even love great-grandchildren, great but you just... Uh, you just look at what's taking place here. This was, a, this was something that they had both longed for, a child of their own. And at age 90 and at age 100, God granted their desire. He did something that was impossible to do in their own strength. And God told Abraham, I'm going to do this. And... Uh, And Abraham believed God. He, he had no works to count on. He couldn't say, God, well, I've done this, and I've done this, and I've been faithful. I, I followed your call, and I did this, and all this stuff. He had no works to count on. He was ungodly, according to verse 5, which is what every person is. And he needed forgiveness, and he needed God's justice. And we see how far God's grace and his, his love go beyond justice is seen in that statement, God justifies, listen to this statement, God justifies the ungodly. It says over in Romans 5 that, that while we were yet, you know, while we were, while, while we were helpless and while we were ungodly, God demonstrated his love for us and that Jesus died for us as sinners and for our sins. While we were still helpless, Christ died for us. Righteousness is a gift by God's grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. And the question for us that we've been trying to face every, in the last several weeks is have we trusted the one who provided that gift of salvation? And I think in, in some ways, I, I think we could answer, a lot of people would answer yes. But my question is when? I think that in some ways that's a better question. When did you make the choice? Because it is a choice. When did you make the choice by faith to trust the person of Jesus and his work on the cross? When was that, when was that time for you? You may not know the exact date. You may not remember that. But when was that time for you? Were you a teenager? Were you 40 years old? When was that for you personally? And I pray that we'll each answer that question to ourselves and maybe even share that with someone else. You know, the time I, I believed God and it was credited to me as, as righteousness or justice, that time for me was 
and, and share that with somebody. I think it would be helpful for you, and I also think it would be encouraging to somebody else. But the question you see in all this, have we trusted the one who provided that gift? Now, you go back to the Romans passage, Romans chapter three and, uh, or chapter 4 and verses 6 through 8 where it talks about David. Just as David also speaks of the blessing on the man to whom God credits righteousness, justice apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. David here is given as example. And he speaks of the blessing upon the person to whom God credits justice apart from works or performance. And in Psalm chapter 32, where this quote is from, David, he's showing that justification, being right with God, walking right with God, is by faith alone. And he says, blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven. Blessed are those whose sins have been covered. Blessed are those whose sin Yahweh will not take into account. And sin is this, it's both, it's both stepping over a known boundary and it's falling short of a known standard. But look at our God. He forgives and He covers and He doesn't take into account. Spiritually prosperous are those people. John R. W. Stott made this statement, On the one hand, negatively, God will never count our sins against us. On the other hand, positively, God credits our account with righteousness or justice as a free gift by faith, altogether apart from our works. That 2 Corinthians passage in chapter 5, verse 19, I think is one of the most incredible statements in all of Scripture, and you may have heard me share it before. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And that's because God poured out his wrath against sin when his son became sin and bore our sins on the cross. The debt has been paid. Redemption is available. Blessed are those. Now, King David lived during the time of the law. He had the Mosaic law, you know, all the laws that God gave to Moses. But he could never be right with God or just with God by law. We have a, a speck of time here. Turn to Psalm. Turn to Psalm 32 with me. We went through this with the uh, Friday morning men's group this week. Psalm 32. As far as we know, this psalm was written after David had committed adultery and had the wife that he uh, had a sexual relationship with, he, he 
he had that wife's husband murdered. So you've got adultery, you've got murder. David was just or right with God at this time. So he's not talking about how to become a Christian here, how to become a person who's right or just with God. That was already true, but he's showing how a person, even a person who's, even a, in our day, our Christian who's sinned greatly, he, he understands who our God is and what he's like. And he writes in Psalm 32, verse 1, how blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom Yahweh does not impute or charge iniquity and and in whose spirit there is no deceit. And then he talks about his sins. When I kept silent about my sins, my body wasted wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, God, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. And then he uses the word selah, which, which has the idea, I want you to stop here. I don't want you to go on reading. I want you to stop and I want you to think about what I just wrote here. I want you to think about when I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. Day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. I think every person here can understand that. When we give in to sin and we don't deal with it, that's what goes on. God lets us know that we're not walking in a way that's pleasing in His sight. It's wrong, it's sin. And it kind of wipes you out. Your, my, my vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. Think about it. Selah. And then he says, I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgression to Yahweh, the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Selah. Now stop and think about verse 5 for a while. I acknowledged my sin to you. I, my iniquity I didn't hide. I will confess my transgressions to, the, to my God. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Just, just stop and meditate on that for a little while. Therefore, let everyone, this is verse 6, therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters, they will not reach you. You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. Now stop and think about that. Selah. Was David's sin in any way right, or sins, were they in any way right? And the answer is no. They were totally wrong. But when he confessed his sin, he experienced the Lord's forgiveness. 
put on your handout. David had broken God's laws, but then repented, confessed. Blessed is that person whom God forgives and doesn't take into account his or her sins. And now we realize God no longer covers, as he did in the Old Testament, covers our sins. He removes our sins. That's what the word forgive means. To live life as God intended we live it, we must have the same repentance, spirit, and faith that David had. He couldn't remedy his situation by means of the law or works. He was completely dependent on God's mercy and grace and work. And so are we. If God's justice was based on works, then David was condemned, and rightly so. I put on your handout, no good works could ever make up for his sins. So you have these examples, both Abraham and David. They believed God's words and were accredited with God's justice. And we go on in verses nine, you know, 9 through the end of the chapter, and we see that Abraham's faith, he starts talking about Abraham again, and we see that Abraham's faith was apart from circumcision. It was apart from the law. It was totally dependent upon God alone. And I'd like for us to look at the Romans passage and, and look at um, chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Is this blessing then on the circumcised or on the uncircumcised also? For we say faith was credited to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it credited? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness or justice of the faith which he had while uncircumcised, so that he might be the father of all who believe without being circumcised, that righteous, you know, righteousness might be credited to them, and the father of circumcision to those who, are, who, who not only are of the circumcision, but also follow in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham which he had while uncircumcised. In other words, does baptism, we would ask today, does baptism when I'm a baby save me? And the answer obviously is no. Because I was circumcised, you know, for a Jewish male, because I was circumcised when I was eight days old, does that make me right or just with God? No. Well, I was concerned, you know, I was confirmed when I was, you know, I went through confirmation classes when I was 14. Does that save me? No. Well, I belong to this certain church group or whatever. Does that save me? And the answer is no.
Is this blessed condition only for the circumcised or for the uncircumcised as well? See, the Jews believed that God's blessing was only upon the circumcised. Abraham was circumcised. David was circumcised. You must be circumcised. They had narrowed down God's blessing to a specific practice. And Paul asked, well, when was Abraham counted righteous? Before he was circumcised or after he was circumcised? It was before, 14 years before, that God credited righteousness to Abraham's account. God's justice is unrelated to circumcision or any other religious practice. And Abraham's faith was the death blow to justification by works. And I wrote on your handout, still today, any person is made righteous or just, fully accepted in God's sight, not by religious practices such as baptism, confirmation, church membership, but by faith in the Lord Jesus alone. And again, the question is, do you know him? I pray you do. And I like the fact that Paul points out for the, but for the Jewish people that circumcision was really only a sign. It was a seal of the righteousness of the faith which Abraham had had for years. For the Jewish male, circumcision was a, a sign, a daily reminder of the righteous standing that Abraham already possessed. Kind of like a wedding ring. I've had this thing for uh, 50 years. It used to have ridges on it. It's worn down now. It's an indication that it's a sign. It's an indication that I'm, I'm married. It's an outward evidence. The ring, it didn't make me married. It was a sign that I am. I love this sign. Because it reminds me of who I'm married to. And that's what circumcision was. That's what baptism, water baptism is for us today. It's a sign. It's a seal reminds us of the faith that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. So Abraham, he was made just with, because of his faith in God and his promise, nothing else. And we get right or just with God only by faith in him. Abraham was the Jewish example. Abraham is our example this way, he is the father of all who believe, whether they're circumcised or not, whether you're Jewish or Gentile, it doesn't matter. Abraham, the father of Jewish Christians. Abraham, the father of Gentile Christians. I put on your handout, in the Old Testament, before Jesus had died on the cross, how were people like Abraham and David made right or just with God? 
by putting their faith in God and His promises. The Old Testament people believed God. They took God at His word and acted on it, and it was credited to them as righteousness or justice. And Abraham becomes our spiritual father when we trust what God has done through His Son, Jesus. So the questions... Have you placed your faith in Jesus alone, or are you still attempting to perform well enough to please God, counting on some religious practices or works, hoping that those will somehow make you right or just with God? As the Apostle Paul writes in chapter 3, verse 28, for we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from works of law. We are set free from performance Works only enter in as a result of our faith in God. Our only boast is in Jesus and his cross. And Father, as we look at this passage, we realize that uh, there are those here today who are justified by faith in the Lord Jesus, the person of the Lord Jesus and the work that he did on the cross. By faith in him and his work, we are, our our account is credited with your justice. We are right or just with you. And I would guess that that's the majority of people here this morning. But if there's someone here who maybe has been counting, well, I was baptized when I was a baby or I... Uh, I've been a member of this particular church for all my life, or I was raised in a Christian family, or whatever we're counting on, I I pray that you'd strip those away and we'd realize that only as we acknowledge our sin and that we are sinners and how desperately we need Jesus, only then... By faith in Jesus and his work, can we ever be made right or just with you? And we come to know you as our Father. And we come to know you. You have dealt with our sins and you don't count our sins against us. That yes, we were ungodly, but by faith in the person and and work of Jesus, we we are made new people. We're given new hearts. And so at this Christmas season, may this be, for a person who doesn't know you, may this be the most memorable season they've ever experienced. That they can look back and say, in, in, in Christmas season 2018, I made the choice by faith to trust Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Receive him into my life. And for those of us who do know Jesus, I pray once again that we would take advantage of every opportunity we will have to share this good news with others. Maybe it'll be around a a Christmas meal with family. Maybe your family doesn't know Jesus, and maybe this is your opportunity to share really what Christmas, Christmas, is all about. That we'll share that Father, you sent your son Jesus to become flesh for a while, to become a man and who would live a sinless life and be the perfect sacrifice on the cross. May we, may we lovingly and sensitively and boldly share this message with others this, this Christmas season. 
Thanks for our time and your word. Your word is so eye-opening. Next week, we'll get to see who Abraham's uh, uh, faith within. It is <laughs> one of the, I think it's one of the best descriptions in any place of the Bible of you, God, that you're, you're the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that, that which doesn't exist. You give life to the dead and you call into being that which does not exist. That's you, God, and our faith is in you. That's where Abraham's faith was. That's where our faith is. So may we really enjoy this, these weeks filled with you and uh, see how you might choose to use us in sharing the good message of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray and are dismissed. Amen.